show is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. You are your greatest asset. It's time you started investing in that. Visit betterhelp.com super and take care of you. Hey guys, we're about to talk about a wizarding war, but we should acknowledge that there is a real life war happening right now over in Ukraine where real people are suffering under the orders of a real life tyrannical leader. And if you're like me, it can be easy to feel helpless or wonder what can I do? But one thing you definitely can do is donate. We have attached a fundraiser to this video if you're interested in doing just that. There's also a link to other charities you might be interested in in the description below. So I hope you will consider donating. And uh, with that said, enjoy the video. Hey, brother. Oh, boy, you guys. The latest trailer for Secrets of Dumbledore just dropped. And oh, man, is there some crazy stuff going on. I mean, we have a dark phoenix flying around. Jacob doing magic. Maybe. Blasted and scroots. Maybe. We still have no idea where Tina or Nagini is. And unless I missed my mark, is this a mirror verse in Harry Potter? Like, what is going on? This is so strange. Maybe. Who am I to judge? I see what he did because he's the bad guy in both movies. You get it. Also, also, actually, actually, are we going to see a Dumbledore versus Grindelwald duel in this movie? Because last time I checked, they're not supposed to see each other from the time Grindelwald leaves Godric's Hollow till the big duel in 1945. Like, what are you telling me? Dumbledore was just lying to Harry and King's Cross? Like, he would never do that. Oh, wait. I guess it is also called the Secrets of Dumbledore. So maybe it is possible. Anyway, obviously a lot to get to today, so let's just dive on in. Guys, before we dive on into today's video, we need to give a huge thank you to today's sponsor, MeUndies. So, imagine you're shopping, you're starting to get annoyed because nothing fits right. Actually, I'm not even sure why the copy says you have to imagine this, because like, you don't have to imagine, this just happens all the time. Point is, finding your perfect size can be annoying. But that's why MeUndies is so great, because they have the softest undies, bralettes, and loungewear that are made to fit just right. Trust me, I have three kids and it is super tiring. I want to throw my PJs for the night, I want to feel cozy and comfy, and I never feel quite as nestled in as when I'm wearing MeUndies. That's because MeUndies believes that comfort is more than about what's touching your skin, it's about feeling comfortable in your skin. And that starts with finding the perfect fit and size for you, which is why MeUndies wear tests every size they have from extra small all the way up to 4XL. They also offer different cuts for different butts in bold colors to fun adventurous prints. MeUndies wants you to find comfort in your size so the world can be a happier and comfier place for every booty. Yeah, see what I did? Every, every booty. Everybody. Plus, to make sure you're happy with your product, MeUndies lets you return anything for a full refund up to 45 days after you purchased it. And they have a great offer for our viewers. For first-time purchasers, you get 15% off and free shipping right to your door. Just go to MeUndies.com theories to get 15% off, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. One more time, that's MeUndies.com theories. Link is in the description down below. Okay, so the trailer opens up actually with a shot of old Dumbledore and a quote saying, Memory is everything. Without it, we are blind. Without it, we leave the fate of our world to chance. Basically, what he's saying is, we must learn from our history or we are bound to make the same mistakes. But I do think there are a few more practical plot applications for this quote as well. Specifically, because we actually see later in the trailer, Grindelwald pulling a memory out of Yusuf right here. And the big question, of course, is, what? 
what memory is he pulling out of him? What is Grindelwald about to learn? And personally, we here at SCB think that this is going to be the memory of Yusuf learning about the baby swap because we don't think Grindelwald actually knows about that. So few people were in the room when Lita revealed all this information and then Lita promptly died. And this would be a huge detail for Grindelwald to learn because it would mean that his assumption that Credence was Aurelius Dumbledore was wrong and that the actual Aurelius Dumbledore drowned. Consequently, that would also mean that Corvus Lestrange and Aurelius Dumbledore were somehow the same baby, but we have entire videos dedicated to that if you want to check the card. Now, yes, it is true, Credence was there for this reveal as well, and he could have told Grindelwald this information, but I don't think he did. Credence's newfound identity seems to be part of what's making Grindelwald so accepting of him. And Credence is someone who has never felt accepted anywhere in his entire life. So I'm not thinking he's gonna be so quick to pull the rug out from under himself. Plus then later in the trailer, we actually see Grindelwald attack Credence for some reason. Possibly he actually learns the truth. Guess we'll see. Now, the other effect of Grindelwald pulling that memory out of Yusuf could be turning Yusuf to Grindelwald's side because we do see him standing right here with the rest of Grindelwald's forces, which is odd because he ended crimes of Grindelwald saving Paris with Newt and company. But what if in removing whatever memory Grindelwald is taking from him, Yusuf forgets why he's fighting Grindelwald? Because we know when Harry was taking occlumency with Snape, Snape was removing memories from his head so that Harry wouldn't accidentally see them if he managed to break into Snape's mind, which I low-key love because it means Snape secretly thinks Harry was actually capable of doing that. But the point is, this suggests that the memories literally leave your head. So I guess until you put them back, you would forget them, right? And honestly, based on that opening line about how memory is everything, this could be Grindelwald's like whole trick. Like if you remove certain memories from certain leaders, then maybe they don't remember history and don't know why what he's doing is so terrible. Maybe suddenly all of his messaging sounds really exciting and bold. And honestly, that is a very scary thought. But moving on, next up in the trailer, we see Dumbledore holding the blood pack wrapped tightly around his wrist. And why he's holding it like that, I don't know. I mean, it took some genuine effort to get it wrapped around in that tight, edgy way. I've been working on this for like a couple minutes and I can't get it to be that tight. Regardless though, this is absolutely meant to harken back to how the Unbreakable Vow spell looks and works. As a refresher though, the blood pact was formed between Dumbledore and Grindelwald when they were boys and basically prevents the two from engaging each other in battle, which seems like a perfect defense for Grindelwald and a real obstacle for Dumbledore, who is now personally powerless to step in and defeat Grindelwald. Or is he? So for one, Grindelwald is obviously still really concerned about Dumbledore. I mean, his mission for the first two movies has been to do nothing except recruit Credence to kill Dumbledore. Which I guess even if he can't personally engage him in battle, Dumbledore could still be like a real force to be reckoned with in other ways, like he's still a threat to his overall campaign. But no, I think the real reason Grindelwald is still that concerned about Dumbledore is because he knows the blood pact is a sham. See, here's the thing. In Harry Potter, love 
is the ultimate and most powerful magic, and the Blood Pact was seemingly formed over this exact sentiment. But my guess is that the love was really only from Dumbledore to Grindelwald and was not reciprocated. Thus, it is possible the Blood Pact is only really working for Dumbledore, meaning that Dumbledore could still attack Grindelwald, but Grindelwald can't attack Dumbledore, which not for nothing is almost the exact situation Voldemort found himself in with Harry, so. But if that's true, then it means the only thing actually stopping Dumbledore from fighting Grindelwald is his belief that he can't attack as long as this charm exists. But you might be wondering, like, shouldn't Dumbledore at least try? Like, what are the consequences if he does? Isn't the alternative that the whole world gets taken over by Grindelwald? Well, it's possible Dumbledore already tried or believes he already tried because don't forget, they already had the three-way duel between Grindelwald, Albus, and Aberforth, which we all know ended in Ariana Dumbledore's death, but at whose hand they never knew. Nonetheless, Dumbledore always blamed himself, so to him, he might interpret the consequence of breaking the blood pact as the death of someone he loves. Which again, harkens back to that imagery of the unbreakable vow, which works in a very similar way. Like, if you break the vow, it kills you. But for now, let's move on. We'll come back to Dumbledore and Grindelwald in a little bit, but right now we're how many seconds into the, 15 seconds into the trailer? Okay, moving on. Next, we see McGonagall, who should not exist during this time period, full video by clicking the card, alerting Dumbledore that Grindelwald is up to something. And he appears to be staying at the Hogshead Inn, which we do also see a little bit later with Aberforth reading a message on the mirror, which I believe when complete reads, do you know what it's like? And it's hard to say who might be sending him this message, but possibly Credence, like, do you know what it's like being his brother or living in his shadow. But hey, speaking of Credence and mirrors, huh? You like that segue? We next get a shot of Credence and his brand new Phoenix, who is looking quite dreadful, I have to say. Like, if you ask me, he is days, moments away from a burning day. Credence himself, though, is looking as powerful as he ever has. He has the Obscurus completely under control, and we see him tear through what looks like a very impressive barrier made by Newt with just little to no effort. And actually, the way he's doing this reminds me a lot of how Voldemort blasts through the barrier at Hogwarts in Deathly Hallows, which I think is supposed to make you realize how powerful Credence is. That said though, he still doesn't seem quite up to the task of taking on Dumbledore one-on-one. -on -one. We get a few glimpses of their upcoming duel in the trailer, and while Credence is unleashing some crazy power, there is no doubt that it looks like Dumbledore is going to be the victor, but let's take a closer look at their fight. Because if you look right here, you can see that all the signs in the background are actually reversed, which the first time I looked at this, I thought, oh, maybe this was just like a decision they made for the trailer, like maybe it all just flowed better if Credence appeared on this side of the screen. But alas, earwax, I do not think that is the case. I think they're actually in some kind of mirror verse. I don't even have to think it. I mean, a few scenes later, you can see the camera rotate them out of the, the upside down, I guess, and back into the real world. Ooh, the upside down. That's the crossover we never knew we needed, right? Harry Potter and Stranger Things. It turns out Eleven was a witch the whole time. That was, that was awesome. It was awesome. Anyway, couple of big things. First of all, what is this Mirrorverse place? My immediate guess is that it's somewhere Dumbledore can take them so that they can fight without actually damaging or hurting people in the real world. So it's very similar to the Mirrorverse in Doctor Strange. Which like, if he can do this, it feels like it should have come up maybe before now in the Harry Potter books, but like, okay, 
I'll let it slide. But what's really crazy is look what Dumbledore is using to take them back to the real world. This is not his wand emanating all that light. It is actually the Deluminator. Like, what? Like, just add that to its list of really weird powers. Like, it can turn out the lights, take you back to people you love by creating an orb of light that enters your heart, and can take you to the Mirrorverse. And like, I really am not sure how this is working. Like, the light does seem to be exploding out of it. Like maybe the light it collects has memories of what it was cast upon initially and Dumbledore can release that light to create a physical space of what the light remembers. I don't know, your guess is as good as mine, but I cannot wait to find out. Next, we see Grindelwald officially declare war on the Muggles, which is met with tremendous support from his followers who celebrate by shooting his symbol up into the air in bright green light, which does sound very familiar. I mean, come on, Voldemort. What are you telling me? You stole that from Grindelwald? What are you, you're nothing but a copycat. You're a copycat villain. You even took his wand. Speaking of wands though, uh, we then cut to Jacob, who's being recruited by Eulalie Hicks to rejoin the fight. Ah! You do know I'm a witch, right? And honestly, Jacob doesn't seem that interested in joining. Until... Dumbledore said I give you something, Jacob. And can I just say, I love how happy Newt is for his friend in this scene. Like. Oh. But also, it is curious to me that Jacob even needs recruiting. Like, why did he leave the cause to begin with? And why does Dumbledore think Jacob specifically is needed to defeat Grindelwald? And I think the answer to both questions is Queenie. As the Legilimens, she is a tremendous asset to Grindelwald. But I think Dumbledore knows she still loves Jacob, and that is her weakness. Or I'm sure he sees it more of a strength. Either way, I think that's why he specifically needs Jacob to help him out. Because don't forget, the reason Queenie joins Grindelwald to begin with is because she loves Jacob and she thinks that under his new regime, they'll be able to be together. Ironically, her joining is also what drives them apart. So it's not like, it's not super good logic, but, um, here we are. The reason they can't be together right now though is because Jacob is a muggle. So what if they're able to convince Queenie that he's not? Cause then they could just be together right now and maybe you don't have to fight Grindelwald, right? 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 Maybe. Honestly, it doesn't seem like a charade you could keep up with for very long, especially since she can, you know, read minds. But who knows, maybe all she needs is that like one single moment of clarity, or maybe they just need to distract her so they can, you know, do something else in the background. Either way though, when Jacob raises his wand right here, a storm cloud appears. And the question is, is he making that happen or is someone else making it look like he's making it happen. Or or is the wand like pre-programmed to create certain magic, maybe with like certain gestures or something. Honestly, I can see any one of those three scenarios being the truth. The one thing that's making me really think that Jacob himself is the one doing the magic though, is his new character poster, where you can see him holding the wand and it's lit up. And it just seems like, why would they put that on the poster if it's not true? Because this is a really weird tease if he's not doing it. But let's jump back to Grindelwald and Dumbledore now, because there are some odd moments in the trailer we do need to address. Like for example, this diner scene where the two appear to be talking to each other, which again, they're not supposed to meet in person again until the duel in 1945. So 
how is this happening? Well, we also see this diner scene just sort of burning away, which at a glance makes it look like the diner is exploding. But I think more what's happening here is that whatever enchantment is allowing them to communicate like this is what's burning away. My point being, I don't think they are physically in the same location. So Dumbledore wasn't lying about them meeting in person again, but they're finding a way to communicate in some sort of metaphysical space. On a very similar note though, we also see the two of them fighting later on in the trailer, which, say it with me again, should not be happening yet. But once more, I don't actually think this is really happening at least yet. Because if you look in the background here, it has that sort of like white glow ethereal look to it. So I think what's happening here is that Grindelwald, who is a seer, don't forget, is having a vision of the fight to come. Which if he sees this coming, he knows that Dumbledore is going to find a way around the blood pact or that he'll realize the blood pact isn't working. But like, don't get me wrong, I am all for a Grindelwald versus Dumbledore fight. That sounds awesome. But if that does happen in this movie, then it means Dumbledore lied to Harry in King's cross and I just I just don't want that to be true but anyway we're now five pages into the script so maybe we should talk about the main character for a second Newt specifically what on earth monster is this that is in whatever prison him and Theseus are in and is it a blast ended screwed and the short answer is that despite the large scorpion blaster tails no, because at least as far as we know, Hagrid is the one who invents blast ended scroots by breeding fire crabs and a manticore. And that happens way after this. Scroots also don't have eyes, which this thing definitely does. Although I will admit there is some wiggle room, I suppose, for creative liberties. Because here's the thing, as I've said a few times, this story should wrap up in the year 1945, which means before the end of this story, Tom Riddle will have attended Hogwarts and opened the Chamber of Secrets, which also then means that Hagrid should appear before the end of the story and should get Aragog because that's what Tom Riddle frames him for. So the question is, who gives Hagrid Aragog. Like, how does a third year half giant come across an acromantula and successfully smuggle it into the castle? Let me just say, I super duper hope the answer to that question is Newt. I mean, they kind of serve the same role in Dumbledore's life. Like, Newt's obviously a way better wizard, but they are both super skilled with magical beasts and both have tremendous trust placed upon them by Dumbledore. So hopefully Newt is the one to give Hagrid Aragog and maybe they exchange some notes about the crazy monsters they've seen. And then like 50 years later, Hagrid's like, I'm gonna try and read that blast ended screw thing Newt told me about. Meanwhile, Newt's off married to Tina somewhere like, shouldn't have told him that. Plus just because Goblet of Fire is the first time we hear about blast ended screws doesn't mean they haven't existed somewhere else and just nobody else knows about it. I mean, specifically with Newt, it would not be uncommon for him to come across a beast and then simply not reported or not put it in his book. Because even just two movies in, there are plenty of beasts we've seen that are just not in Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. And he clearly knows about them and where they are. Like the Zowu, the giant big teleporting cat thing from Crimes of Grindelwald? not in Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. And I'm sure Newt has various reasons for not including certain beasts in his book. Like maybe they're too endangered or maybe they're just too dangerous. But I love the idea that Newt is just like winking behind the cover. Like, yeah, it's called Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. But I'm a magic zoologist who cares about beasts and thinks humans are really the most dangerous creatures on the planet. So I'm not actually going to tell you where to find endangered creatures. I'm just gonna put it in the title. So you think you know, but you don't. 
Newt. Sneaky Newt. Anyway, that brings us to this scene in the trailer where Dumbledore has assembled his team in the Room of Requirement with matching briefcases and him and Jacob touch a giant spinning bell-shaped port key to go, I guess, confront Queenie. But what is everyone else doing and why do they all have matching briefcases? Well, the port key seems capable of transporting the different members of the party to different parts of the world. So maybe they're each tasked with trying to take down different strongholds of Grindelwalds around the world. As for the briefcases, I think one of them must actually be holding a truly valuable object or rare magical beast and that the rest of them are all serving as decoys. Like they clearly must have something that Grindelwald wants, maybe the blood pact itself. And Dumbledore is scattering his forces to the wind to create wild goose chases everywhere. Just a very divide and conquer kind of strategy. And if that strategy sounds familiar, it should, because this is a very Dumbledore style plan. It's almost the exact same plan he has in Deathly Hallows, where his portrait tells Snape to confund Mundungus and have him suggest to the order that they use decoy Harrys to get Harry away from Privet Drive. That said, we actually do get to see inside one of the cases, and it looks like it's filled with a bunch of just textbooks from the school and possibly a bludger right here. But once it's open, the books just spring to life and start attacking whoever opened it. So in addition to being decoys, they look like they also serve as a diversion so that whoever was carrying it can't escape. And that's pretty much everything we saw in the trailer. What we didn't see though was still Tina or Nagini. And it's hard to say why, but Catherine Waterston is listed on IMDb as appearing as Tina in the movie. But weirdly, Claudia Kim is not listed to play Nagini. Now the out of universe answer to this question is that Catherine Waterston was just really ill during filming and had to miss a lot of it. And if that's the case, it feels like something they would have had to just write around because, you know, Tina's a pretty big character in the movies, which is why I think she might still be hiding in plain sight, just disguised as Bunty for whatever reason to confuse Grindelwald, I suppose. But that way, at least the character of Tina can be in the movie, even if she has to be portrayed by a different actress this run. As for Nagini, personally, I'm just hoping she appears in like a post-credit scene or something with Credence, who is now defeated and lonely. But suddenly you learn that Credence can still talk to her in snake form. Dun, dun. But there you go, guys. That is our full trailer breakdown for the second trailer of Secrets of Dumbledore. I am so excited for this movie. Ben, my question for you and everyone else is, what do you think is going on with the Mirrorverse? How was the Deluminator able to do this? Let me know all of your thoughts in the towel section down below. And guys, as always, thank you so much for watching today's video. Don't forget to leave a like on it if you haven't already and subscribe so you don't miss any future Harry Potter action from us. If you want to see what it would mean for Credence to be able to talk to snakes, basically that he's a gaunt and how that would shake down. You can check out this video right here. But otherwise, until next time, Ben, I will see you in another Life Brother.